it's like you keep telling yourself that they're going to love you and that this one will be different and you just ignore the red flags. And then you sit there wondering like, how did I get hurt again? And you tell yourself you're the hopeless romantic. And yet here we are again. A quarterback has decommitted from Florida State. And we're going to talk about it because that is what we do. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For those of you that don't know, Chris Parson was the number 328 overall recruit in the country. He was a four-star QB per 247 sports out of, I want to say, Ravenwood, Tennessee. I'm sorry, Brentwood, Tennessee. Ravenwood was the high school. And um, unfortunately, this kind of felt like a ring on the wall situation. But it does suck to the point where it feels like this is the second. doesn't feel like it is. It's the second consecutive year where we've had one QB decommit. But... I have a feeling that on the horizon, we will see that decommitment be replaced by another QB commitment and by the name of Mr. Brock Glenn. Last year, it was Nico Marchio decommitted. Then we got AJ Duffy after the spring game. This year, Chris Parson goes to Elite 11. Then we hear, you know, the folks over Tony Tokar is a little more in love with it because Brock Glenn's game offers him. And now, me personally, I think it's interchangeable between the two talent wise. I'm just a little more upset that, uh, I want to be able to actually bring two high school QBs in a class, and we haven't been able to do this so far since the first year under Mark Novell. Yeah, and and I think that I think what you lose with Chris Parson is a a higher floor than a Brock Glenn. Um, Agreed. But I think that you gain a a higher ceiling and be more patience because I want to walk the folks through the timeline of Chris Parson. Chris Parson committed to us last July. Again, he was only, well, he was a three-star at the time. He wasn't a four-star yet, but he was seen as a Mike Norvell. Okay, maybe he's found himself something here, you know, a, a Treshawn Ward of quarterbacks because he was not heavily recruited, relatively underrated, but the tape was there. Like if you watched his tape last summer, you're like, okay, for a kid that was what? That was 2021. So was going into his like sophomore year, was in his freshman year when COVID hit and had to deal with that for like some of his most important developmental years, he looked amazing on tape. And he only continued to get better, right? He, We hear, okay, he's starting to make moves at seven ons. Last season, I think he threw for like, should have pulled the number up, 2,500 yards or, or something like that as high school. And um, yeah, he led, led them to D1 or the 6A D1. I don't know why they whatever state quarterfinals and a 10 and three record uh, moving to Tennessee from Texas. And you're like, okay, like, you know, we're, we're going to get something, but then it's pretty good. Yeah. We saw the, we saw the bad side of Chris Parson, right? We saw he had no interest in us recruiting multiple quarterbacks. And I think that this is akin to you meet a great girl, but you live in different places and you have different life goals. And like, as everyone who's grown up knows, you can only force stuff so long. If you have different ideas and views for your future, it's not going to work out. And I think that's what happened here. And I think, Drake, that's that's why I'm not as bummed about this one as I was about a Sam Howell situation. Because, like you said, the writing was on the wall. 
but it also makes sense. He wants to be the star of a class. He wants to be the only kid that gets recruited. And to his credit, he has shown he'll put in the work to be a bell cow, to recruit the class around him. And he deserves to be an only recruit. I'll give him that. But we can't only recruit one high school QB this year. We just, I would rather strike out going for three and only get one than to say, hey, we're just going to take one because our depth, tell me if you disagree, just can't really afford that right now. No, I completely agree. I think Chris Parson talent alone, I think she actually think his ceiling is a lot higher than Brock Lenz because of the sort of mobility he brings to the game overall. Um, to me, I think the one thing is that if this was maybe a few years ago, remember the one year we brought in DeAndre Francois, DeAndre Johnson, and I think the other one was uh, Malik Henry in that same class? Yeah. I think the year after that, we only took in one QB, and that was Jason Cosentino. And I think Chris Parson is someone that's leaps and bounds over Jason Cosentino. He is athletic enough and talented enough at the QB position as a passer to actually come in by himself. Unfortunately, like you said, we only have four scholarship quarterbacks in the on. We only have four scholarship QBs in the room right now. That is not good at all, period. Sorry, we have three. I forgot Gene English doesn't have a scholarship yet, yep. but he will have one very, very soon because of his TikTok. But overall, like you got to bring in two. And if he doesn't want to be second, if he doesn't want to bring in two people, that's fine. But unfortunately, that's what we have to do. And you know, best of luck of the kid. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over to the Dallas area, maybe SMU or Red Lashley. That'll actually be a really fun offense for a skill set to watch. But we need to go after somebody else. And I wanted to get the Emory, the Emory Williams kid that committed to Miami a few weeks ago before Jaden Rashada. That's out the window. So now I just don't know what options we have on the board as of right now. Well, I I think we need to keep in mind what is going on. We have been decommitted from on July 12th, 2022. We have five months until National Signing Day. And I know it feels like forever, but in 20, what would it have been? 2019, 2018, who was on UNC's big board for their quarterbacks right now, this time in 2019 or 2018? And they end up landing Sam Howell. Who was, you know, Ole Miss probably two years ago was probably in the in the message boards like, oh, you know, we really need a better quarterback like Matt Corral's doing okay, but who's going to follow him up? And then they stole Luke Altmaier. There's no law that says Florida State can't start winning on the field, showing what Mike Norvell's offense allegedly can do and go land a good quarterback recruit. The only reason I'll push back a little bit on that is mainly because quarterback recruits typically pick where they want to go, I guess, already where they are. So it's hard to, harder to flip kids than the two kids you kind of already mentioned. Sam Howell, he's a hometown North Carolina kid. And also with, with Walt Bell leaving his primary recruiter, you kind of don't want to go where you know where offensive course is not going to be at. And then Luke Altmaier, I know I don't need to go too deep in it, but Mississippi recruiting is weird. <laughs> and he's a Mississippi State. He's a Mississippi kid, even though, ironically, his dad was what the team doctor at Mississippi State, actually, you know, when he was there for a little bit. So. It's very difficult, but maybe for unranked QBs we can go after. I just think it's going to be very difficult to find one of an FSU quality at this point. So maybe we go to the transfer portal again, but I just really don't want to keep using that as a Band-Aid. Uh, as, as annoying as it is not to get Chris Parson, Parson, not Parsons, We've he reminded everyone of that on Twitter. Um, we did pick up a four-star offensive tackle and not – the biggest guy at his high school, so they put him at tackle, even though there's no shot he plays exterior lineman at the next level. This is a legitimate six foot seven, six foot eight Swedish offensive tackle, Lucas Simmons. And Drake, I'm bummed we didn't talk about this because we're coming late to the party. But folks, if you check the comment timestamps 
His father and I did have a bit of a dialogue on Monday before his commitment. So Locked on Seminoles was the first on there. I'd also like to say uh, it was mentioned around the beat once people looked it up, but I was telling people, hey, go look at go look at tape on European handball. That's what he grew up playing. European handball, their defense is very similar to pass blocking. I know this because we had a fraternity brother who was a massive Croatian. I was like, well, what does a large human play in your country? He's like, I play the handball. And, it is, and that is how he talks to yeah. he's not. He's not even. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It's an interesting corollary because you're basically trying to guard the crease because shooting is kind of like lacrosse. You know, it's not like a great save percentage is not that high. So you're really trying to keep guys off. And it is a lot of that point of attack kind of just hands, 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 trying to keep the guy off of a certain point. The one thing about Simmons, I will say, because I we have to give the full picture. If you watch his tape, you do see some of the soccer player in him. And I don't mean he's soft or anything like that, but you can tell his natural instinct right now isn't to invite contact. Doesn't mean he's scared of it. Doesn't mean he shies away from it or anything like that. It just, you can tell he's kind of uh, in certain situations having to be all present and say, oh yeah, you can shove this guy right now. Like you don't have to defer to the the guy approaching the ball carrier. So he'll develop out of that though. I think it'd be a, be a great tackle at Florida state. Yeah. Put that kid in a weight program for a year. And I bet you he starts probably in 2024 because that mm-hmm. kid has got the frame to be large and in charge. And he definitely has the ability to under coach Atkins and also Josh Storm's strength and conditioning coach to actually develop a mean streak. If you watch him play in how exciting is it to have possibly him, him and Julian Armella on the left side of the left tackle and left guard spot. Think about that, that, and Julian Armel is a kid that we've already seen be- become and already in great, great shape. Already has a mean streak if you look at his actually highlight tape. Like this offensive line, we might be talking about it as the best unit heading into 2023. And I'm actually super stoked about it overall. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I think that that is a position that we just continue to build. And I think it's great that we're seeing them continue to add depth to it. You know, I think, Drake, you brought up a. A painful example when you talk about the JJ Constantino year, but the reality is you signed three top 50 quarterbacks. I don't mean top 50 for that position, top 50 overall guys. Yeah, they were good. The class before, and you're thinking, hey, we're set. Like one of these guys is going to pan out. Well, one of them decides to do one of the most despicable things a person can do on videotape. Uh, the other is just a walking behavioral nightmare. Who's what been kicked off three football teams at this point. And the other one went down with a torn jacked up knee and we end up with James Blackman. It's like, Oh, sometimes the universe just absolutely slaps you in the face. And that's why you have to be prepared. And it's cool to see Alex Atkins not going, Oh, I just got five offensive linemen. I'm, I'm going to chill. No, no, we're going to take four to six more this year. Probably more more likely four than six, but it's good to see at least someone's got the mentality of being prepared for the future at the position where we most need that mentality. Especially if you want to bring in quarterbacks to be protected by that offensive line. Also, when you bring quarterbacks, you bring in wide receivers, actually want to be part of a passing attack too. So that's kind of like basically we live and breathe and die by the, by the trenches. That's how you build a team. That's how you build a winning football program. As much as it sucks missing out on Chris Parson, as long as we can get a high school kid in there, I think we're going to be fine if we can keep getting offensive line prospects like a Lucas Simmons, like a Julian Armella, even transfers like Caden Lyles to fill the gaps as needed or Dylan Gibbons or those guys. 
I think in the long term, that's that's going to pay dividends. And like you said, the quarterback of our dreams will find his way to us if we can just build that foundation for him to take over. You just said the quarterback of your dreams. Of our dreams, buddy. Of our dreams. Of our dreams. Of our dreams. Who's the quarterback of your dreams, Max? Yeah. I'll describe him. Me? While the like you're saying, while the Chris Parson loss, it's a big loss. It's a reverberating loss. As so long as we're able to, I guess, replace the talent that he's able to bring in, because like I said, he has a high floor, high ceiling. Like maybe, like you were saying, maybe we do win eight games. Maybe we do bring in somebody else towards the end and basically snatch one after we got in snatched quarterback snatched the past few years. Maybe we do that. But as of right now, only time will tell. And basically, we just need now. We're only 55 ga- days away from playing LSU. We're fi- 48 days away from playing uh, the David Duquesnes, the fighting uh, David Duquesnes. So that's all we can do right now is wait and see because I need some football. God, yeah, I need some football. Gosh, that's absolutely right, buddy. Your lips to God's ears. And that, and I, th- <laughs> I think that's the tough part is it feels like so long. But hey, we're going to see how it works on the field because can't play the games for them. And it's going to go one of two ways. We're either going to be really happy or we're going to be really sad, but it all starts on the field. So, Drake, thanks for taking some time out of your evening to swing over and uh, do this instant reaction with me. Folks, make sure you stick around. We're bringing our new correspondent, Hunter Steele, from Brevard Sports Network and Seminole Productions, as well as some other radio work that he's done. He's done some writing, some covering of the team. And uh, it's just really cool to have a young whippersnapper with a there you go, Bill Bars, with a lot of energy, a lot of gusto, uh, covering the team from on the ground. So make sure y'all stick around for that. Driz, I will let you get out of here for the evening, buddy, and I'm sure we will reunite before the week is over. Take care, everyone. And the churro flavor puff is actually really damn good. Yeah, yeah. So make sure y'all check out Bilt Bar, Bilt.com, 15% off when you use the promo code LOCKED. 15. The puffs are good. The bars are good. Built Bar's got everything you need. 15 grams of protein, 5 grams of net carbs, and it is all you need. All right, folks. Welcome to Locked on Seminoles. Today we have the first of hopefully many appearances by Hunter Steele. Hunter is something I'm not. That is young and still in Tallahassee. Hunter worked with, or still works, with Seminole Productions. Uh, He's also worked with Brevard Sports Network, doing interviews with coaches and covering the team. Done his own blogging. Uh, He's a communications major in the journalist, some sort of journalist program um, at FSU. And we decided here at Locked On Seminoles, we need to be able to have boots on the ground. Y'all know I love living up in Atlanta. Drake's down in South Florida. And Dave will be leaving Tallahassee for greener pastures in New York. So we were hoping Hunter can fill that void. Hunter, thanks for bringing your knowledge, your experience, and a nice little middle part haircut you got going on. So we we appreciate all those things coming to Locked On Seminoles. Well, shoot, I would have came to Locked On faster if I'd have known you were going to gas me on my middle part. But uh, I'm I'm very excited to be here. I, like it's a very big opportunity, and I'm I'm very feel honored that you guys chose me to uh, to to fill this position. I'm really excited to start. I love it, man. I love it. So. Today, we're going to talk about recruiting. Let's just start by talking about Lucas Simmons. He's the man of the hour. Um, if you're like us, you put a lot of stake into what 19, 17-year-old kids, I don't, I'm just going to pretend they're at least 18, decide yeah. to do with their college days. And What's the feeling down there in Tallahassee? I know you're around the program a bit. I know that you're around you know, people who obviously talk about this nonstop, but is Simmons, was he a huge target down there? 
Um, was he someone they expected to land? Were they surprised? Like, walk me through the reaction on the ground to the Lucas Simmons signing, as well as the Ricks debacle after you give us the good news. Yeah, I mean, if Florida State is signing a blue chip offensive tackle in 2022, things are going to be pretty, pretty grand in Tallahassee. He's he's a stud. Um, he checks out. He he checks all the boxes. I think he's going to be a really, really good kid. And um, you know, I'm excited to see. I I'm not. I don't think the recruitment is necessarily over. I think we've come to see that over these years. Um, how it doesn't really mean a whole ton until a kid actually signs on the line. But um. I mean, nonetheless, it's a massive get, and we're we're loading up the trenches. That's that's kind of been the uh, the mo here for the past two recruiting classes, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and then again, um, you know, we have we have the whole Rick's thing, but I I'm going to choose to be the optimist here. And and here's here's kind of what I've thought about the past few days. And I talked to a buddy of mine who played at UM, and I, I talked to a few other not former FSU players, but collegiate players, and you know. How do I put this? Right now, Atkins is looking like the best recruiter in the room by far. And he probably yeah, is. I, I, most likely is. But you got to think how many kids over the years at positions like quarterback, running back, receiver didn't want to come here because our offensive line was so bad. That doesn't really happen with offensive linemen. Like very rarely will you see an offensive lineman because think about who are, who's protecting them from getting hurt. No one. So like, right. So they're not relying on a quarterback skill so they can look good to the NFL. They're relying on their coach to develop them, to make them a better player so they can go get paid. So there's more of a, I won't say more, there's less downside to an offensive lineman going to a bad program with a good position coach than there is for any other position going to a not great program with a bad offensive line, no matter how good that position coach is. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. They open up everything for the rest of the team. You know, they get to, you get to come in and play early. I think that that's definitely a, a very enticing thing for, for prospects. Yeah. And then, and as I look down our recruiting board, you know, you have to think if you're talking to a kid who, who we'll speak about in a minute, like a Brock Glenn, who is a, a quarterback that we weren't really in on until a month ago, he's probably pretty encouraged knowing that the guys protecting him are going to be blue chip recruits and older transfers that we're seeing, right. That are going to let those kids have some time to develop before Brock Glenn sees the field rather than him looking down the depth chart and going, hold on, who's going to be stopping me from getting bulldozed by 300 pound defensive tackles. What's going on here? So I, I, I guess what I'm saying, Hunter, is that like, my optimism is starting to tell me that while we are striking out the skill positions, building up the trenches is going to be a force multiplier for the skill positions as we get later into the season. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, not even so much just. I mean, Simmons is a, is a great player, but we just haven't had depth along the offensive line the past few years. It seems just one guy gets hurt, then the rest of the line is just completely in shambles. I mean, last year against Wake, we had what. Robert Scott and I think Gibbons was out as well. We had three out of our five starting offensive linemen out. We got blown out. So, I mean, to have some consistency and have some depth there, I mean, I think it would make it very enticing for a kid like Brock Glenn or, you know, another guy that's on our board like Hakeem Williams, someone else to come here. Like if they see that the trenches are loaded up, I mean, that's, I think that's very enticing for, for. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be. And you, you know, you talk about depth. What, what do they have? Like 23 offensive linemen in the room or something crazy. Maybe there's like 14 yeah. of them. 
and like five yeah. walk-ons. But this this line's depth, it, it can't really be overstated because it does a couple of things, right? Number one, when you have a deep offensive line, like you mentioned, guys get hurt, you have guys to replace them. Number two, you're not just replacing them with the best available body. You're replacing them with the best available backup at their position, which gets to like 2A slash point three. Uh, I had the opportunity to ask Dylan Gibbons this question, and he basically was like, yes, exactly. It lets them not have to cross train as frequently when they have a lot of rotational bodies that can play guard only, tackle only. So like, uh, you know, Hunter, let's take a guy like Dylan Gibbons, right? Or, you know, let's take Mo Smith. Mo Smith last year started at center. He had to play a lot as a true freshman. Well, the problem was you had to have guys practicing center in case he went down and they'd have to slide over to center. It was only going to take one guy to completely derail your center position. And you think about the practice hours are a fixed amount, right? Every school in the NCAA, unless you're Nebraska, I guess, practices for the same number of hours, right? So if you can dedicate 100% of your snaps to one position, that's always going to be better than anything less than 100%. Now you've got Caden Lyles playing center and Maurice Smith can also just play center. So you think about the development for that as an athlete being able to solely focus on one position instead of having to like play your position and then go learn three others in case those guys get hurt. It's going to, you got to think it's going to exponentially develop in this year. Um, and we'll see a much better Marie Smith in 2022 because of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Consistency is one thing that has lacked on this team for, I mean, a number of reasons, but injury for that same, re- that's, that's a, a big key right there is the, I guess the injuries would be having guys get hurt every single week on the offensive line. And like you said, having guys having to play center in practice, and then you're playing guard in game. And then next week comes around, you're back playing center in practice. It's, I can't imagine what that would do for our team. And I mean, the results have showed, but I, I like Norvell's approach of just adding tons of bodies and doing exactly like you said, picking guys that will play one position and you can, you know, you can have some stability there and not have to worry about, you know, getting flipped across the offensive line all game. So I want to talk some skill position. Uh, first, I got to thank our friends at Rock Auto. If y'all have been here, you know about Rock Auto. They help you fix your car by yourself. Don't waste your money on mechanics. Go to YouTube. It's not that hard. Just YouTube.com. It's probably where you're watching this show. If you are watching it there, make sure you subscribe and just Google how to replace the part. Then you're going to need to buy the part. So go to Rock Auto for it. Uh, I used to do a lot of my own car work. Fortunately, uh, I'm in a position in life where I don't have to do that anymore. But when I did, I wish I'd had Rock Auto because I would go to five or six stores looking for a 2002 Jeep alternator. And trust me, it is a pain in the ass. Rock Auto makes it simple. It's cheap. Even with the supply chain issues, they're getting parts to you really, really quick. And then they're kind of like a family business. Uh, in fact, when you tell them, how did you hear about them? You just type in locked on, no promo codes for rock auto. Just, just tell them about us. Rockauto.com. All right, folks. Thanks for rocking and rolling with us. Hopefully you are on YouTube and you're hitting that subscribe button. We love that y'all come here every single day because it lets us do what we love. Talk about the team that we love the team that we love to hate sometimes when they uh, when they hurt our hearts. But I'm hoping that that, that is over. Hunter, I, well, I always like to live vicariously through the young folk in Tallahassee. It's, it's one of my one of my greatest uh, greatest pastimes, but fun thing to do. Yeah, man, you know what but I think there's uh, I think there's two important points I want to get to that someone in your situation could put into context for us. First of all, as an, as an old person, 
we forget like how long time is because we think in years, right? Like it's time. We're like, Oh, it's almost here, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's what we're doing with these recruits. So I'm not saying it's going to like, we should talk about Travis Hunter, but just give us some perspective. Like you're in Tallahassee. You see, you see the city's dead right now. Like it's a long time until signing day. So I want to touch on that a bit of like, we need to stop panicking about what the recruiting rankings are right now, because this time last year we had a top 10 class. Miami had like a 60th ranked class. Florida was in the thirties and both of them finished ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So I want to touch on that. And I also just want to hear what the general mood is for the upcoming season around campus. What are the expectations? Is there optimism or is it like, Hey, I hope that alcohol doesn't get too expensive in the stadium. because We're going to need a lot of it. Well, that that's always problem. Number one, I would say is, uh, can they keep Doke wet enough for the, for the people of Tallahassee to, to, you know, go through the withdrawals of football. But I mean, it's hard. I, I was talking about this with someone the other day, every single commit it's means I'm just numb to it. Now there's nothing until they sign their name on the paper. There's absolutely nothing that, I mean, I love Lucas Simmons. That is an awesome signing, but the first thing I can think of is it's not over. It ain't over until right. it's over. So it's, it's kind of sucks to have that mentality and kind of be crushed like that. But I mean, I personally think that there is some optimism regarding the season, regard, like if everyone can stay healthy, that's, that's really it. I'm, yeah. I'm not too optimistic about our depth. That's the thing. So if there are some injuries, I think we, we will be in some trouble, but I mean, I think we're going to win some games. I think Travis, Jordan Travis will definitely win us some games this year. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, it, it, it's, it's funny because, and I'm talking to y'all right now because you know that, uh, uh Sometimes we have to be the voice of reason here. It's it's funny how on the recruiting trail, again, everybody who commits to another school is 100% signing there. No questions asked. Like, there will never be a decommit from Miami or Florida. Yeah. It's like, well, except like, I don't know, this time in 2013, Dalvin Cook was a Florida commit. Remember? Yeah, that? Clemson commit too. Right. And it's like, we're so quick to just assume the best for everyone except for us. And it's like, oh no, but- you know, we don't, our, our class, what it is right now is what it's going to be. And you think about how quickly the recruiting class can change. And there's going to be one thing that does it. It's going to be winning on the field because it, guys, it is really, really hard to recruit skill positions when you win five games. And I think Hunter, someone said earlier today, and I forget who, um, you know, they're like, look, we're, we're recruiting about where our win total is. You know, I know yesterday on the program, uh, I think Drake said that, Norvell's recruiting at a, at a group of five level or, or something. And I pointed out, I was like, you guys, we pay Mike Norvell what Cincinnati pays their head coach. Like I, I'm not, I don't just want to make this like a crap all over the staff, but I think we need to have a little more self-awareness of where we are as a program and two, awareness of where we are in the year. It's July. We haven't played a single game. Like this is a team last year who, Everyone and their mother, it felt like, said, oh, yeah, we could win eight games. Maybe we could even win nine or ten if we get lucky. And within the first two weeks of the season, we lost to Jacksonville State. So I don't know if I'm really faulting kids for not lining up to commit to us. But I kind of want to, not kind of, I want to get your opinion. Does it feel like this is the type of team and the type of staff where if they do get hot and we end up four and one, five and two, something like that early in the year, we could start to see the recruiting tide reverse very quickly. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I'd like to think so. I mean, you look back at last year and there's no, 
I'm not surprised at all that are any high quality receivers would sign to us when our leading receiver had 382 yards. There just hasn't been production across the board on offense. I mean, Jay Sean Corbin was a great piece last year. And I think that offensive line piece that we talked about in last segment, it, they're kind of hesitant to recruit to a team with a Paul Teo line, but I mean, yeah, I don't necessarily blame the kids until they start seeing us string together something on the field to give them something they can commit to and something they can feel right about. Yeah, that point about the wide receivers is one that, trust me, you'll we'll get touched on a lot. I mean, that's that's been a huge complaint of mine with Ron Dugans. I think it goes up a level, though, to Mike Norvell. If, if you watch a Mike Norvell offense, historically, he loves to spread the ball around, which is fine when you have the depth to do it. But last yeah. year, you didn't even really have a good number one receiver, but no. you had one guy with five touchdowns in Ontario Wilson. The second guy, the second most touchdowns had two. <laughs> like yeah. there was, there was someone posted, uh, was talking about Jordan Addison and I went, and I looked back and if you exclude Cam McDonald, who also had two, I think you needed like five of our receiver, our, our top five receivers had as many touchdowns as Pittsburgh's Jordan Addison. Yeah. And people can say Jordan Travis, this Jordan Travis, that Jordan Travis was a 63% passer who was in the top 40 in efficiency stats. So like. I mean, it, you know, the simplest answer is usually the right one. There just wasn't the receiver talent. And I know you mentioned when when we were talking before that you're hearing good things about some of the receivers in the weight room, though. So who who do you think could maybe break the trend and actually emerge as, I don't know, five is such a low bar, but be a six or seven touchdown guy for us this year? Well, I'll tell you, when I see Johnny Wilson walk around campus, I mean, I saw the guy in College Town the other night. Um, the guy's He's massive. having a water. Just having a yeah, water. Uh, no, no, no. He was getting food and he lives around there. He was picking it up to go. It was. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. He was, he was going home. No, but the kid is massive. That is a red zone target and a half. If I've ever seen one. He is. Yeah. I think Jordan Travis, you know, he definitely improved on his passing ability as the year went on last year. I think Johnny Wilson is a guy I would watch for to be a red zone target and a guy who could break that five touchdown mark. Cause I mean, that would just be unheard of for us. Which is crazy. Well, and here's the thing about Johnny Wilson too, that I find fascinating is you talk about his size. You know, you mentioned that that you've heard from people around the program that he's taking the weight room seriously. He was also, if you look at guys with over a hundred snaps on Pro Football Focus, the number one rated pass block or run blocking wide receiver in the country last year, which means he's physical. Like you mm-hmm. don't get a good pass blocker rating as a receiver unless you like to make contact and you invite it. Especially a guy with arms his length. It's a miracle he doesn't get called for holding every time. If he was a wimp, if he was the kind of guy that just, eh, I'm going to do some of this, there'd be holding flags all over the place or people would just swipe his arm out of the way and go. So you got a physical guy. He's big. And then you think about what you need in the red zone and what have you been missing? Physicality in the route running and big people that can catch. It's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, I think a prime example of that was last year in the Jacksonville State game. We had Mackenzie Milton throw a fourth down fade to Keyshawn Helton. In the first quarter, nonetheless, we went forward on fourth down in the first quarter. Was it fourth quarter. and one, two, or fourth? Like we yeah. could have just handed Jay Sean the ball and he would have he could have walked. Yep. Right. Yeah, we threw the we threw a fade to our shortest receiver. So that's something I hope we will not see this year again. Um, us playing with our food and uh games like that, so to say. So yeah, I'm excited to see this whole new receiver room. And Pokey Wilson is a guy, you'll never hear an argument from me against him. He he has been as consistent as consistent could be in four state football the past three years, however long he's been here. I mean, he's been our best receiver. I'd I'd like to think. Yeah. You know, I always have an interesting, uh, I I have an interesting feeling with him, right? Cause it's always like, I respect what he's done for the team, but then I kind of look and I'm like, 
but the team should be good enough where he's not the one that's your best receiver type. Yeah, no. 100%. Same with Keyshawn. Like, I, Keyshawn had a heck of a year last year, especially coming back from injury. But it's like, I've said this a dozen times, he's a number three receiver at a power five school. I think he could be a great number three receiver, by the way. But the fact he was your number one and he was playing your ex so often is like, you have a, like you said, throwing a fade route to him. You have a five foot 10 on a good day guy who's, I mean, I don't know how, how big is he? 185 to, I don't think he's breaking 200. Yeah. He's not, a, no. it's not like he's, you know, uh, Josh Burrell where he's kind of short, but at least he's huge. And that's who you have to rely on to get open downfield. And, you know, then you have parchment who, anyway, this isn't just to bash the, uh, bash the old wide receivers. This is a, I am excited about the skill positions we have coming. Last question I get, or, you know, last topic, I suppose. Um, our fans here, our, our, our listeners, they can talk all day about what they think the season's going to be like. And I know that, you know, we're going to both win 10 games and win two, and it's going to be amazing and terrible. Um, but what's the vibe around Tallahassee like? And what I mean is more so the student body, because at the risk of rubbing it in, you know, I got to go to school when we were winning championships, right? It was like, I was there in, I was there a while, but I was, I was there for 2013, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And, uh, you know, it was, it was crazy to watch just how the campus would come alive during football season when you're winning, but what does it do to the student engagement, the student body? Like it, when the team's kind of playing, like they have been the past few years. I can tell you, it's not very fun when you show up to a, a Florida state game and they have an ACC opponent and half the stands are empty. I mean, the student section will be completely empty at that point. It's, it sucks. I won't beat around the bush. It sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, starting off 0-4 last year, that that took all the wind out of our sails because that Notre Dame game was amazing. I mean, every student showed out for that and, you know, make what you wanted the Mackenzie Milton situation. We had some optimism going in the next game. So that we were riding really high at that point. And then, you know, we fell down a flight of stairs against Jacksonville State. And I think from that point on, they just that was kind of it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Losing to Jacksonville State, you know, you're getting memed to death on Twitter and Instagram. And there's really no coming back from that. Like the kid. I think that was kind of where all the energy went out the window for, for the Florida State student body last year was that Jacksonville State game. Yeah, and I, I guess to tie that back around, you know, we are so quick. And when I say we, I mean FSU fans, Twitter mostly. Um, you know, we're so quick to forget that people are human and that kids in high school all experience the same things, whether you're a D1 recruit or not. And when people, you know, try to say, well, you know, we lost to Jacksonville State, but, you know, this, that, the other, it's like, you're right. But imagine you're committed to Florida State and after that game, like you don't think every commit we had inbox from all their friends that they met at every camp that are committed mm -hmm. to other schools wasn't blowing up. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't go more than five feet, right? Without someone, anyone who knew I went to FSU, like for two weeks, it was like, you know, hey, so how you doing? You know, I mean, to make matters make matters worse. I was on the field. I was actually working that game and I was holding cables in the end zone where they scored, where they dogpiled. So I was on TV when they showed it on ESPN, the, the top 10 play when number one of him, you know, running in the end zone with the ball, I'm right in the bottom. So, you know, times 10 that all my buddies, there was no, there was no here in the end of that. So I can't imagine being a Travis Hunter, a guy that's the number one recruit in the nation, a guy who is friends with tons of tons of football players. And I mean, he probably got, got it till no end. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, man. It's, um, 
Yeah. And and then conversely, the reason I did that was not to end on a sour note is, is to end on the positive. So let's put ourselves in the other shoe or in the other, or let's put our, I don't know what the metaphor is here, but let's think about the other side of that, right? If you're considering Florida state and we come out and we beat an LSU and then, you know, we have a close one or even win one against Louisville and we're going into September and we've actually won some games. Well, now saying like, Hey, I'm thinking about going to FSU isn't embarrassing. Cause I got to think like, I mean, you, so you were there for the Notre Dame game. You work with Seminole productions. How big was that official visitor section? What do we have? Like 20 kids on campus and another probably two dozen unofficials from the junior class there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was insane amount of recruits. I mean, for that Notre Dame game and they even they had a lot of recruits next week at Jacksonville state to make matters worse. I, I think that's probably where Travis Hunter probably made up his mind at that game. But I know he was there. Yeah, I mean, they were the recruits were out for that game, and you know, I I don't think you could really paint a better picture for State other than the fact that we won that game. Exactly. So you take that, and it's like if we can just do that this year, but actually be putting wins on the board, you're probably going to flip some of these kids. Is, is it safe to say, Hunter, that just because Miami's gotten a few decent recruits and we're sitting at like the 33 ranked recruiting class in two four seven, the world has not come to an end and this is a team that very well could play their way into a top 15 recruiting class. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how quickly people forget things and, and the world we live in today, whether it be on Twitter, I mean, there's going to be a new team that loses next week and another team that wins and it's going to completely flip around. And I just think that it can change so fast. People are so quick to forget things nowadays. I mean, LSU lost the temple. What was that four years ago? And then won the national championship a year and a half later, two years later. Things can happen really fast in college football. So yeah, hundred percent. I'm not, I don't think the sky is falling right now. I mean, especially where we were last year, exactly. Like you said, we were top 10 and Miami was load more you and you know, look where we are now. We lost Travis Hunter and everyone else. So <laughs> load more you. I love it, man. Well, it's good to have some youthful optimism on here, folks. Thanks for stopping by. As always, we love having you. That was Hunter. I'm Max. And this was Locked on Simmons. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.